We welcome you to the media ministries of the Gathering Church in the Countryside YMCA of Mainville. As we love the Lord and each other, we're trusting that God would use us to plant the church in every YMCA around the world. To this end, would you join us? We meet on Sundays at 10 a.m. and in community groups throughout the week. As you listen to this resource, our prayer is that your love for Jesus would grow deep and your love for others would be seen and heard. Let me do a little bit of calendaring with you so that you know what's happening and you know what's to come, okay? So uh, we are taking a pause from the book of Romans, and uh, we're starting a new Christmas series called Red Door Christmas, okay? And um, we are, we're going to be looking this month at all sorts of passages in the scriptures, Old Testament and New Testament. So I'll say on the first uh, Sunday in December, this month, bring your Bibles to church. I really want to just emphasize that again, okay? So bring your whole thing. You can leave your journal of Romans at home and bring your whole Bible, Old Testament and New Testament, so that you can follow along and mark up your scriptures, okay? Um, We are going to be delighting in the gospel this month that Jesus uh, came, that he was born of a Virgin Mary, that his purpose of being born was to live a perfect life and to die a perfect death. He rose again, he ascended on high, and he sits at the right hand of the Father now. And we're just going to have a good, robust um, understanding of Christmas this year, that, that Jesus came to satisfy the righteous requirements of God and to pay the penalty of our sin. So it's connecting Christmas and Easter as much as we can together, okay? That's December. In January, we're going to spend, we've done this the last few Januaries, we're going to spend a few Sundays on what we call the foundations, revisiting um, some of our DNA, what's important to us, our values, um, our vision, our story, things like that, our mission. Um, And then in February, we'll start up uh, Romans again, starting in chapter 6, 7, and 8. Um, and it's going to be awesome. I'm really excited. Prior, though, to getting back into Romans in February, we're going to take a Sunday, and uh, we're going we're gonna to study the value and the importance of memorization and meditation of God's Word. We're going to do- devote a whole Sunday to it in January. And um, I'm telling this to you right now, Uh, Because we're going to pitch out a vision for 2021 that everyone in the church is going to be encouraged to memorize Romans 8. Period. (laughs) (laughs) Carrie was like, (laughs) is there a colon and a verse in there? I don't know if you've ever memorized a chunk of scripture, maybe a verse here and there. But buckle up and get ready to be so blessed. We're going to devote ourselves as the leaders of this church to helping you memorize a large portion of Scripture. And Romans 8 is called the crown jewel of the Bible. 
It is one of the greatest chapters in scriptures. And if you if you could like look back 10 years from now on the year 2021, I promise memorizing a portion of scripture will be the best thing that you will ever have done. I promise you. Okay? And so, I'm telling that to you right now so that you can start planning and thinking and praying, Lord, is this what you want me to do? As you start like thinking through your January 2021 resolutions, I want to commend and encourage you to put that on the top of the list. And not, I don't want to be shy at all about it. The gathering, I want to memorize Scripture. Okay? Are you with me? Okay. So, that's the plan. December, Red Doors Christmas. January, Foundations. Memorization. And then February, we'll start up our Romans series again. Okay. So, why Red Doors? Why Red Doors? In um, the early church, in tradition, old churches used to paint their doors red. Okay? Why? It sent the message that out in the world, like out there, you never measure up. You're never enough. And there's always more work to do. But when it comes time to coming to church, right? When you come into the church, you come into the church through the blood of Jesus. And Jesus, through his work on the cross, that work is finished. And so the people of God can be reminded and experience the great truth, and it's worth celebrating, that out there the work is never done, but in here, something that is distinct to Christianity alone is that we can celebrate that the work is finished. And that has all sorts of implications that we're going to dive into this month. Christ's finished work on the cross. It's like entirely profound and entirely otherworldly. Like because Christ's work is complete, we, as the people of God, can be open and honest with Him and with each other about our shortcomings, about our failures, about how we are incomplete. When we come through the red doors of the church, proverbially, we can boast that we are broken, that we, are, that we can find rest in Jesus and He can take our our burdens, and we can put it on Him and experience peace. This means all who are tired and all who are bro broken can find peace through Jesus who is broken for you. This means that all who enter, who come and who are undone and are just finished with themselves, they can celebrate in the finished work of Jesus. And even more than this, this means that Christ's heart is especially for the broken and undone. 
Christ's heart is especially for the sinners. It's especially for the sufferers of those whom he died for. Namely, his heart is for you. Jesus is a friend of sinners. And this Christmas, we want to open our doors wide for you to come in and experience and be welcomed by Jesus. So in short, welcome to church, right? This is, this is our gospel message. And it's especially important to proclaim during Christmas, uh, which is such a time of distraction, isn't it? Like we get so distracted in the busyness of the month and we need to be centered on what is most important and celebrate the great gospel truths of the incarnation of Jesus, that he came in the flesh, that he was born of a Virgin Mary, he lived a perfect life, died a perfect death, rose again, ascended on high, and he's seated at the right hand of the Father, as I said. So these truths this month, um, I've been praying that we would bask in them, that we would glory in them, and that we would remember and worship the work of Jesus Christ. Not just at his birth, not just at his death, but we're going to broaden the scope and answer the question of what was the work of God through Jesus Christ in time. And hopefully... This month, you will experience God in new and in fresh ways. And you'll know Him deeper by celebrating the fact that He was born to die. Right? Not just a nice story, not just a Christmas-like thing with a bow tied around it. But as you're out and about uh, this, this month, as your shopping list increases, as your grocery lists are on the forefront of your mind, really I'm praying that at the center of your heart that you would feel welcomed and that you would feel at rest in your relationship with the Lord. So the main text this morning um, is in Romans, but it's in Romans chapter 15, verse 7. And we're going to spend a little bit of time on it, okay? So if you would, open up your Bibles to Romans chapter 15, verse 7. As you know here, typically we take um, portions of Scripture um, and bring it to light, the main idea. Uh, this is called expositional preaching, and um, we typically take a book and just go through it verse by verse, and uh, we are just spending a little time doing a little bit of biblical and systematic theology. We're studying, we're studying a story in light of a greater context. Um, so here's, here's the verse. It says, Therefore, welcome one another as Christ has welcomed you for the glory of God. Romans 15, verse 7. So basically, the question for today is, how has Christ welcomed us? Like, what was the work of God through Jesus Christ in the scope of all of time and the history of humanity. Okay? And what we're going to say, and if you can jot this down, that'd be great. Let's dwell on this and think about it. Is this, that God's work through Jesus Christ welcomes the sinner 
in to rest. God's work through Jesus Christ welcomes the sinner in to rest. So the title of today's message is called The Welcomer. And kids, as you get your Bibles ready and get your pens ready, um, we're going to go all the way back to the Old Testament, and you're going to hear a bunch of stories, okay? You're going to hear uh, the story of uh, uh, where it, it happened in the garden, where the work began, okay? You're going to hear a story about some of the first red doors, okay? We're going to jump to uh, the book of Psalms, and we're going to read what David talked and yearned for. We are going to go to the book of John, and we're going to see how Jesus understood and talked about doors. And then we're going to go all the way to the book of Revelation and see what he says about doors as well. Um, so if you're like savvy with words, it's almost like a systematic theology on doors, a study on doors this morning, okay? So let's go ahead and start our time with prayer. And then we'll jump into God's word, okay? And so, Father, we just ask one more time, would you quicken our senses, bring light to our eyes, and would you allow us to see and, and experience new things today that we've never seen, not for information's sake, but for love's sake, that we may love you and follow after you in deeper and greater ways. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Genesis 3. Go ahead and open your Bibles there. Okay? So it all started, like the, the need for the work began when Adam and Eve fell. Right? This is the, the sin of mankind. They were commanded, hey, don't eat the fruit of the tree of life. The tree that was in the midst of the garden and Eve listened to the serpent, right? And she took of the fruit and she sinned. And Adam was there and in his passivity, he sinned. And sin entered the world. She took of the fruit. He did too. And both of them were ashamed. They sewed fig leaves together and they made for themselves loincloths. And they were separated from God as a result. God cursed the woman, he cursed the serpent, he cursed the man, and he gave them hope in one person that would come and solve everything one day. Let your eyes go down to verse 15 of chapter 3. It reads like this. God says after the fall, I will put enmity between you and the woman... In between your offspring and her offspring, he shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. Which is a little weird, I know, but just hang with me. This is what theologians call the proto-evangelion. Proto is first. Evangelion sounds like evangelism, which means good news. This is the first announcement of good news after the really bad news where sin and death entered the world. God said, I'm going to bring someone into the world. I'm going to send you someone. He's going to crush evil. But it's going to be costly. 
It will be like the picture of a person taking his heel and crushing the head of a serpent, but that heel is going to get bruised. Adam and Eve were banned from the garden, and it was like almost a gate or a door was put up in the garden. He drove the, the man and the woman out at the east of the garden, and he placed a cherubim and a seraphim with a flaming sword to guard the way to the tree of life. But before he sent them out, we see the mercy of God, like his kindness in action. Before he sent them out, God made for Adam and his wife Eve garments of skin. And he clothed them. Did you catch that? Like there it is. Like God's wrath for sin was satisfied by something or someone else other than Adam and Eve. He could have smited them. could have killed them. But instead, he sends this message to all of humanity that blood is how my wrath and anger is satisfied. And so he kills an animal instead of Adam and Eve. And he covers them. Or we might say he atones for them. Adam and Eve's sin cost an animal his life. Someone else, or something else, instead of them. The garden. The story of the Bible continues to unfold. Mankind continues to sin and rebel against God. And God commands this guy named Noah to build a big old boat. And he says, when the rains come, I want you and your family and two of every kind of animal to get in that boat. And Noah obeyed because he was a righteous man. The rains came. And God himself, here's another door in scripture, closed a door and he sealed it and he protected them. But the first red door, kids, in scriptures happens in the book of Exodus, okay? You don't have to go there, okay? Just, just listen to this, okay? So Abraham, a person that God chose, Abraham had Isaac and Isaac had Jacob and Jacob had 12 sons. One of them was Joseph. Joseph went on down to Egypt. He was sold into slavery. Egypt and all the land around it had a famine. And jo Joseph's brothers and all of his family came on down because Egypt had food. The people of God that were 70 began to grow into 2 million. The Pharaoh who was over the land died a new pharaoh came in charge, and he was like, I don't even know these people. Who are all these shepherds? And what are they doing here? Let's use them as slaves. He enslaved the people of God for 400 years. The people of God cried out, save us. God raised up a redeemer in Moses. Moses came to Pharaoh, and if you've ever seen the Ten Commandments, it kind of sounded like this. By the bonds of my people, Charlton Heston, right? Come on, let my people go. And Pharaoh hardened his heart, and God hardened his heart because Pharaoh was like, Psh, hard, right? And so, what happened? 
God sent ten plagues. The tenth plague was the angel of death that was to come and he was to kill all the firstborn of every family that didn't have their door covered with blood. Hey, people of God, do you want your firstborn saved? Then cover your door with blood. Take a lamb, sacrifice it. It's got to be perfect, unblemished. And take a hyssop branch, dip it in that. Don't touch it with your hand. Dip it and cover the, the frame of your door so that the angel of God would pass over. God was telling his people that they needed to be saved by being covered with a sacrificial blood other than their own. This is what's traditionally called Passover, where the angel of death passed over families. And so now the Hebrews celebrate what is called Passover. After a time, they were out of slavery. They exited Egypt, which is why the book of Exodus is called Exodus. And they began to uh, sin again. They wandered in the wilderness. They came across the Jordan and they dwelled in the land that God had promised them. After a time, they continued to rebel. So they were governed or ruled by judges. They cried out for a king. And so the, the people of God were given a king. And one of the greatest kings of all of Israel was named David. King David, who wrote many of the, uh, many of the Psalms, wrote in Psalm 51. And this one, I do want you to go there. Turn to the book of Psalms, chapter 51 and verse 7. After King David sinned with Bathsheba, his heart yearned for, it called out for, it wanted the forgiveness of sins. It wanted a washing. He wanted a completeness. And he knew that it had to require blood. And so he prayed this. Purge me with hyssop. Do you see it? And I should be clean and wash me and I should be whiter than snow. There we see King David referring to the first red door. He took hyssop branches. They did. And they, they covered the door. The angel of, the death, of death passed over them. And David was saying, I want that too. I need something or someone else to pass over my sins. I know I can't pay for them myself. I want to experience forgiveness on a greater level. Not just one day a year at Yom Kippur when, when sins were paid for. I want to experience it daily, hourly, minute by minute. I'm craving for cleanliness. The prophet spoke as the people of God continued to spiral down. They said, return, return to me, come back to me. And they didn't. And so God in his kindness enacted judgment. He sent them into exile in Babylon. And after a time, they came back. He sent them to Assyria. The people of God were scattered abroad. 
And after 400 years of silence, can you imagine? 400 years. Our country isn't that old. 400 years of silence. Heaven broke. And an angel of the Lord appeared to a man named Joseph in a dream. After not hearing from God for 400 years. You know what the angel of the Lord told Joseph? Fear not. Hey, don't be afraid. Also, an angel came to Zechariah, and guess what he said? Hey, Zechariah, don't be afraid. God, from the beginning of time, had a plan to make a way for men to know God. Mankind. The announcement was that God was going to send his son to come to earth. Like his son from heaven was going to remove his and take on the robes of humanity, namely flesh. He was going to be born, God, with us, among us. We just sang it. Veiled in flesh, the Godhead see. Hail the incarnate deity. You want a great Christmas verse that's outside the Gospels? Go to Philippians chapter 2. Okay? Philippians chapter 2, verses 5 through 7, reads like this. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped. And here's verse 7 of chapter 2. But emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men. And that's why we celebrate Christmas. Because God was born among us. The early church taught us to say, light from light. Very God from very God. I remember talking about Christmas with my mom when I was young. And my mom said, I still, I've been a, I've been a Christian for 20, 30 years, whatever it was at the time. And I still can't believe that God himself was born and walked among man. That, my friends, is what you call a worshiper. Someone who can't get over the fact that Jesus was God. And that God sent his son to earth. This man, this boy named Jesus who, who grew in wisdom and stature and favor with God, and with favor with man, He uniquely claimed something about himself that I want to point out to us today. Go to John chapter 10. We see in Philippians 2 that he wasn't just a mere man, but he was God himself. And this God, Jesus, he claimed to be God. Catch that. This is really important. This, is dis this distinguishes Jesus from any other so-called God in the scripture or, or in, um, in, in world religions. He claimed to be God. 
You remember how we talked about the first red door in Exodus? This God, Jesus, actually claimed to be the door. (laughs) In John 10, verse 9, he says, I am the door. And if anyone enters by me, he will be what? He will be saved. We learn more about this entrance uh, a few chapters later, John fourteen six, he says, I am the way and the truth and the life. And he talks about it. He says it's very exclusive. It's not a tolerating door. It's actually very, very narrow and not wide. He says that anyone who enters through me shall be saved. There's no other way. There's no other way to know God. Except through Jesus Christ. There are not many options. You can't choose your own adventure. You must come to God through Jesus. In His work in welcoming you, it wasn't just Him being God in flesh, and it wasn't just Him actually claiming to be God in word. His work in welcoming you was fulfilling the work that his father had set out before him. Namely, to be the ultimate sacrifice on the cross to satisfy God's wrath and to pay for your sins. His blood was your need with regards to being covered. So we read that just before Jesus let out his last breath on the cross, he said, it is finished. And he breathed his last, didn't he? So we see there that the work of God through Jesus Christ, according to God himself on the cross, said that this work was finished. That his shed blood was enough For all who believe. If all men and all time came to Christ, would there be enough blood to cover for their sins? Absolutely. Yes. Do all men come to Christ? No. Does this mean that Jesus failed? No. He, his accomplishing work on the cross purchased a bride and the price was his blood so friends if you have repented of your sins and if you have placed your faith and trust in jesus christ you have been purchased by the blood of jesus and you are now his and he is yours and you can rest in the finished work of jesus so jesus is the welcomer in his kindness and mercy He welcomes you to Him. Question though, like, is that just the nicety to say? Like, do do pastors have to say that? And this is where, this is where I hope I just know our people. Here's the questions that arise. And this is the difference between watching a random dude online and listening to, to a local pastor. 
Does, do all these truths mean that Jesus is standoffish to me? Like he's holy and like, he, I know like I've studied him, I've read about him in, in books. And so is this Jesus guy just like a historical figure where I check the boxes, I get the right answers, but I continue on in my life as normal? Can I grow in him? Can I love him more? Can I, can, I, can I meet with him and have a relationship with him? Or what about this? I've been, a, I've been a Christian for 20 years, Pastor Mike, and I feel really far from him. Like, what do I do about that? Like, I know all his stories. Can I tell you about another door? We studied it a couple months ago. Revelation chapter 3, verse 20. It says this, Behold, I, this is Jesus talking to his church, us, I stand at the door and knock. And if anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in to him and eat with him and he with me. Isn't that a great verse I love that. When we studied this a few months ago, we just cherished the idea that Jesus desires a continual relationship with his people. Like he, he uses this illustration of, of eating and breaking bread. I want to come in and eat with you. We would say, I want to commune with you. I want to have a relationship with you. Why are you keeping me at bay? Why are you keeping me outside? This breaking bread is, is a mutual... Jesus not interested in us. It's not true. He loves us. He knows our thoughts. He's interested in us. We've just studied from a scope of 10,000 years, if you're a young earth person, right? 10,000 years that his pattern has always been from the beginning a God who pursues his people. One who moves towards Adam and Eve in the garden. One who moves towards his people in slavery. A person who moves towards mankind in his incarnation. Like he pursues his enemies. We were enemies. He pursued us who were far off. And he brought us near and he did it by his blood. That was the agency of reconciliation. That's how he did it. And so Paul, at the end of Romans, says, I think I can sum that all up in a word or two. He welcomes you. His posture towards you is, is one of invitation. So, 
as your friend and fellow brother in Christ? Do you feel welcomed by God through Jesus Christ this Christmas season? Like tomorrow morning when you wake up and you put a little eggnog in your coffee. I know, I know. There's two kinds of people in this world, you know. <laughs> those who like eggnog and those who are not experiencing the abundant life. My goodness, right? When you wake up tomorrow morning, do you feel welcomed by God? Do you know the promises towards you that he wants and longs for you to come and commune and eat with him, to pray, to read about him? Do you feel welcomed by him in your darkest thoughts? in your most sinful moments, in your deepest anxieties, like in your greatest concerns, in your highest joys, do you know that in all of those that He welcomes you? And if you don't, or if you reject that, and this might prick a little bit, but this is my calling too under God to do this to His people. If you feel rejected by Him, Theologically, what you're saying is that I cannot rest in his finished work. Perhaps the most, like, I don't know, the most compelling story that Jesus told his followers was the story of the prodigal son, right? Where the son takes the inheritance and runs off and then, like, just is eating with the pigs and he's, uh, uh, you know, in the mud and, like, eating slop or whatever. And he's like, what in the world am I doing? And so he comes back and he's like, I'll be a hired hand. I'll be a slave or whatever. And then the father sees him off in the distance and he girds up his loins, right? Picks him up, which is totally against the culture. Like, don't do that. That's not masculine. That's not cool. I just want to be with my son, right? And he runs That is the picture of welcoming. That is God to you. Every moment, like every day, every hour. Like the Father, through the Son and by the Spirit, like He pulls up His, his robes and He runs towards you because He wants to restore what was lost. And some of you might even say like, oh, I'm... I'm too old. I'm too old to recover what, what, what I lost. Or I've done too much sin. I don't know, I've wasted too much time. Do you not believe that God can restore the years that the locusts have eaten? He welcomes you today. 
Our last text that we'll look at is Matthew eleven, twenty-eight. We're just going to look at the first three words. And for the next two weeks, we're actually going to be in this text. And I challenge you to memorize it in the next two weeks. Okay? A lot of memorization going on. Look at the first two words here. Matthew eleven twenty eight says this. Come to me. That's it. This is the posture of God. This is what he does. It's the very core of who he is, the essence of his heart. His whole work communicates a hospitable posture towards you. It is one of inviting. So friends, if Jesus came to earth to draw near to you, if he obtained you or bought you with his blood, my call to you is to receive his welcoming. Come to him. For the non-believer, like many think that uh, Christianity is this belief system that says you have to wash off before you get in the bathtub. Right? Like, oh, I got to get my life right before I start mixing with Christians, before I come to church, before I, before I become a Christian. I just need to make sure and do all these things first so I can be a good person, a good Christian which is so against what Christianity teaches. Jesus says, just come in the bathtub <laughs> like with all the mess and the muck. I will wash you. I'll make you clean. It won't happen in an instant. But I'll do that work. If you are refraining from coming into the bathtub, if you're refraining from coming to Christ, either as a non-believer to a believer, or even a believer saying, uh, I, just, I can't come to God for this sin, it's too grave, it's too deep, it's too dark. What you're saying is that Jesus' blood is like kind of like a thin lacquer that you put on wood. Right? It's just this... It's not that thick. Oh, that blood. For my sins, it's going to need like seven coats. But mm -mm. that's what you're saying. When you refuse his welcoming and not experience the forgiveness of God, Jesus is saying, just come to me. Just come. And for the believer today, this week, cherish in the finished work of Jesus Christ. Like this Christmas, this Christmas, just say it over and over again. Like, Jesus was born to die. His work is finished. I can rest in that. Jesus was born to die. His work is finished. I can rest in that. Jesus was born to die. His work is finished. And I can rest in that. Okay? In Scotland, that homeowners would paint their front doors red to signify that their mortgage is paid off. Christian, you can rest in the truth.
sip on a daiquiri. But deep within our hearts, would you train our minds so that we are a people of God that pray throughout the day, remember you, and are at peace with all things related to life and godliness. Lord, sustain us. Help us pace ourselves and help us rest in you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So we're going to sing in response to God. So if you would, go ahead and stand. And if you, if you just are compelled, if there's something in God's word that spoke to you this morning, we just ask that you would seize that moment, that you would be obedient to the Holy Spirit, that you would not grieve the Spirit, and that you wouldn't even sing this song, that you would, you would go and off to the side and you'd pray and you'd ask for prayer and that you would be still before Him. So meet with Him. We'll close our time together in song.